Welcome to Creatives Grab Coffee, a podcast where we talk about the business of video production. Well, anyways, guys, let's kind of dive right into it. Welcome, everybody, to Creatives Grab Coffee. We're joined by Your Story Agency with Cam and Brayden. Their agency provides businesses with a result-driven video and strategy to help them clarify their message, connect with their customers, and automate their business with video. Welcome, guys. Appreciate it. having us. So let's kind of dive right into it, guys. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. What is Your Story Agency? What's your story? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I mean, long story, obviously, it's been the past four or five years since we we started the business, but not your traditional path into video production. Um, Myself and my co-founder, Colin, we're both trades, trades people. So we're both electricians slash plumbers before we got into this. Um, So didn't have a whole lot of experience in the industry coming into it. And I think that was beneficial for many different reasons. We were able to uh, one, come at, it, come at it from a passion standpoint. It was something that we just asked ourselves the question, you know, what do we want to do uh, with our lives if money wasn't, wasn't involved with the process and uh, landed on, on the creative side. Colin's been shooting photos and, and filming since he was a kid. So he's always had that as a, as a hobby or a passion, but it wasn't necessarily a business. Um, we initially connected through social media. So I was, I was, uh, I found Colin through the photos and videos that he was posting on social Um, while I was working, wasn't satisfied with the work that I was doing. Uh, I think anybody who's worked trades knows it's not the best, uh, best environment to be in. So I wanted to change up. Um, I had started shooting photos with my buddies from high school at the time and just really started to click, really started to get into it, started doing like Lightroom tutorials, uh, Adobe Photoshop, started diving into the Adobe suite, uh, YouTube university, basically just started learning, uh, watching videos, consuming content. And uh, long story short, there's a lot of intricacies that happen, but I'll, I'll save the, the entire story. Um, I uh, had two weeks to, to put in at, at the job that I was currently working at at the time. And uh, Colin and I had linked up, connected well. Um, he had a couple real estate contacts in his network that we had reached out to, to uh, start filming some real estate videos. Um, landed a couple clients, wasn't the best financial decision or the best uh, situation to, to jump ship at the time, but uh, it felt right. It was aligned and I put my two weeks in, uh, bought all my camera gear on my, on my credit card and we just dove, dove head first with pretty much no idea what we were doing, right? No, no industry experience, uh, no client experience previous to that, but um, just YouTube and trial by fire is basically how we, how we made it work. Oh, you guys uh, really took the risk right head on with the the credit card, maxing that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 100%. Yeah, in hindsight, it, it would have been a good decision to, to max out the credit that I had uh, before jumping ship. But I mean, that's entrepreneurship in a nutshell, right? You figure the shit out as you go. And that's really what it was, just uh, diving into to everything related to the business from, from there on out. But started in real estate. That was really what, what got us into the industry. Oh, okay. So how did you guys kind of like land your first client uh, diving right into real estate? Yeah. So Colin had been freelancing before I met him. So he had a wedding business at the time. He, he got into shooting weddings, family portraits, all that good stuff for, for quite a few years before I met him. And he had dabbled a little bit in real estate previous to that. 
Um, and he really just went right to the top right away. I think the first person that he cold called was a West Vancouver realtor, which if you guys aren't familiar, is like five, 10, $15 million homes oh, wow. uh, in, in Vancouver, just right to luxury real estate. Um, <laughs> like bridal path in uh, Toronto. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. So definitely didn't go for the, the low hanging fruit in that regard. Just cold called the, the top agent that he could find. They gave him a chance, set up a meeting, and um, I wasn't involved with that. That was a few years before I had met Colin, but um, that was back in the day before there was gimbals, before there was anything. He was carrying around a like a 10-foot crane with him, walking around the house, trying not to scratch the floor. Oh, my no God. Idea what, yeah, so he, he's, he's got some of those uh, those videos on YouTube, I think, still on like a, a unlisted playlist, but um we when we partnered up we went directly to them as well because he already had that contact um so we started to build that network started to get in touch with some of the luxury agents in west van um and i think at the time when we first started shooting real estate we were probably doing like four to five videos a week um and just kind of scaled up from there yeah real estate is definitely an industry that you can do a lot of work for but it's smart that you guys went after like the luxury side of the real estate market because a lot of the times like if you just do the regular real estate stuff it's they don't, the pay is not a lot but there is a lot of work out there but then you kind of corner yourself into that yeah i noticed yeah. a lot of people in our um in our network here not a lot but like a few where they started out doing uh, a lot of real estate videos and they were really great at you know churning out really quick work but then they all of a sudden, all those companies started giving them huge volumes of that, which almost is like kind of like strangling them with the amount of work that they're doing. But and, and then they would be telling us, it's like, oh, like making 150 bucks per project yeah. or 200 bucks per project. It's like, that's not sustainable for the long run, 100%. but a great way to start. Yeah, a great way to start, right? And it, it, it did lay the foundation for our business. One, because I personally didn't even have the creative experience, so it it got me familiar with the technicalities of, of video production, working with clients, um, going through the production process, right? So it was a really good foundation in that regard. But to your point, it was a natural transition, right? Because we were doing these cookie, cookie cutter uh, videos for agents. The house would get sold, the video would get archived, and then likely reproduced the next time the house would get sold down the road, right? So there wasn't there wasn't a life cycle for the videos that we were, we were creating. So both from a, a sales perspective of being able to, to charge more and position more value for the client, which wasn't quite there. Um, but we leveraged our network. We, we had, you know, five, 10 ongoing clients that we were working with. Uh, we started to pitch the idea of, of brand marketing videos, um, assets that they could leverage for a longer life cycle and continue to get use and value from. Um, did you get a lot of, did you hit a lot of resistance with that when you were first pitching that? Yeah, I think it was a it was a natural evolution, right? I think the first video that we did was the first like video business card, what we call it now, but the first like brand marketing video that we did was around like 2000, 1500, 2000. So we were going from, like you said, 400, $500 real estate videos to like basically 4X, whatever we were doing for uh, a 60 second to two minute video, right? Um, so I think there was an initial resistance at, at first, but it was really the the mindset shift of like understanding how valuable the assets that we're producing for them actually are um and it was a discovery for, process for us as well knowing knowing how much our clients were utilizing the videos uh, gave us the mindset shift to be able to charge more to be able to position ourselves uh in a in a better light and 
uh, naturally just gravita gravitated away from from listing videos over, over yeah that's kind of, of that's kind of what we've been doing lately as well like we've shifted <clears> from just approaching them and saying like hey like you know this thing is coming up to like phrasing it in a way where it's like this is an investment so what do you want your investment to do for you right like what kind of returns you want this to give you and just phrasing it that way i think our clients are starting to know like understand like it's true value they're not seeing it as a video anymore they're seeing it as like an investment right so something like good you guys did that early on we're doing that now we should have started that earlier too <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. we just we just made the basically pivotal decision to, to make that switch. Right. Um, but to answer your question with the resistance, definitely at first, right. Because our, our, the, our current client list and network that we were working with was used to paying 400, $500 a video. So trying to transition the current base of clients that we were working with to five, $10,000 projects, uh, it was hard to justify. So in a way that we, in a way we really had to rebuild our network, uh, and start, changing our branding and our messaging to to communicate to a, a different demographic right yeah, did you like, stick with the real estate industry or did you expand to other other industries yeah so real estate's been a foundational part of our business for the past four or five years still is uh, i'd say it's a lot more diversified now um but for i'd say for the first year or two it was service-based businesses right so mortgage brokers uh real estate agents lawyers things like that um and yeah it's just so many intricacies that happened throughout the throughout the journey but um, naturally started to gravitate and attract some some large clients in that process was it kind of like um, a natural kind of progression to the expansion of like your client list or was it kind of like you were doing real estate, you said, um, with some, uh, uh, with some lawyers and other people and mortgage brokers in that industry. Did you think to yourselves, Oh, we would like to do, we would like to work with X, Y, Z type clients. Was it something like that? Or did it kind of be, or was it just simply whatever opportunities kind of came your way? Yeah. I mean, the initial, uh, marketing strategy that we were going down the route that we were going down again, coming from, from no prior experience in the industry was, cold calling, cold video pitches, um, just direct, direct reaching out and then obviously referrals. Right. So in regards to the, the specific niche, we never had like, Oh, we're only going to do real estate. We, we thought about that because obviously we had the opportunity to scale, uh, listing videos, but didn't see it as a, as a long-term uh, one fulfillment standpoint and, and two like a long-term play from the business side. Um, so we, we've definitely thought, and even recently we, we've thought about, uh, going down a specific niche, but we've gravitated more towards, uh, results driven video production for, for businesses. And that's a wide variety of different industries. Yeah. That basically covers like every, every frontier, right? <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about results driven focused, um, video content, like, uh, it's, you said that that's kind of like what you've niched into, like, what does that typically entail? Like in terms of like results, like how do you get results driven based content? Yeah, Cam, if you want to touch on that one. Yeah. So basically how we're approaching it is, is what videos fit where in the funnel. And ultimately, you know, there's multiple types of videos that a business can create and some, some type of businesses more than others. Right. And so we look at it at every video has some sort of outcome or goal that it's typically looking to achieve and better put when a client comes to us, 
they have a certain goal that they're trying to achieve in which we're going to map a video to that goal. So based off of where they're at, you know, where they're getting their leads from, if they're getting leads, uh, what's happening before the lead comes to them, what kind of information are they consuming? It's really going to depend on the type of video that we're putting out or building for them. And so I'll give you an example. Um, the video business card that we create for now realtors, but also many types of businesses is much more of like a top of funnel video that they've just become aware and or this video is allowing them to become aware of the brand. And so it's it's more of a brand awareness type video where there was no kind of pre-context. And so the messaging that's involved in a video like a video business card is going to be different than something like what we call like a signature process or a how-to or like a product-based video where they now have awareness of the brand. And if we want to talk to five levels of customer awareness, they're going up that pyramid where they're now seeing more of what they need out of a, out of a product, right? They've probably become aware of their problem. They've become aware of potentially this brand and also potential other competitors that they're now comparing. And so now we're moving deeper into the funnel where we're starting to look at, okay, we know they already have some context before they're watching this video. So the shift is going to change within the script and within the imagery and within the call to action on these videos. And then you can even go a step further on the bottom of funnel with the type of videos that are being pushed out. So really our strategy when it comes to developing those result-driven videos is around positioning it within the funnel and knowing the actual context that we're, what we're sticking these videos into. I think a lot of agencies, when they call themselves just a video production, they think that these videos are being put into a vacuum where there's nothing else that's gonna interact with it. And that's just not the case, right? Unless you're just watching it internally, and even that's still not the case, these things are gonna be put into an environment that has different variables and different pieces of information floating around it before and after uh, the, the viewer engages with the video. And so we really wanna be cognizant of that context that's happening before and what kind of context they wanna have leaving that video. Because again, a result can, can mean so many different things to so many different people. So when we talk about results, we're like, what is that result? And then how can we create a video to reverse engineer that? So um, in a broad scale, we can dive deeper into what that looks like, but broad scale, that's kind of how we talk about it to our clients. And that's how we approach it when we're, uh, when we're trying to solve for the problem that a client comes to us for. That's really cool that how you guys kind of uh, reverse engineer it from like what the end goal is. A lot of the time people talk about the end goal, but a lot of the time they're also first talking about the idea and kind of the general buzz that they want to get. Um, one, one thing I wanted to kind of also touch upon was because results are, um, it, it varies drastically. It's very symbiotic also with um, marketing and advertising. So what happens like, for example, if a client tells you what result they want, but they don't, they haven't considered a marketing budget or anything like that. And um, they've just come to you straight for video. It's like, this is what we want you guys to do for us. Cause your results focused. How do we get these results from you guys? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, ultimately, like still for the time being, we are working on this actually in our messaging, but because our, uh, our website still very much indicates that we are video focused, which is never going to change, but separating like the expertise to the execution side of things, people always come to us typically with some sort of initial bubble of an idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we can do and what I think uh, is very important as creative agencies is to not let that dictate the end result or the end deliverable that we're going to give them. Because a lot of the time, and, and some clients are actually kind of 
taken back from this, but then they can understand it as long as you convey it properly. What they come to us for isn't what we're always going to try to offer them because they aren't the video expert in this case, hence why they're coming to someone like us. And as an expert, we need to take that stance and say, hey, we're first going to diagnose what your problem or challenge or better yet goal that you're trying to solve for. And then we're going to then put a, put together a map or a strategy or an action plan that's going to fit that, right? So when we go through that process, the first thing, which I think a lot of agencies and just salespeople in general, it doesn't have to be in creative, it doesn't have to be agencies, they don't diagnose, like they don't actually ask the key questions as to what they're trying to achieve or what their current situations are, what they're currently doing outside of whatever the services that we're going to deliver for them. Again, going back to the vacuum, too many people think like our services in this vacuum. And so again, it's, it's about diagnosing it's about really understanding the challenge, the goal. And uh, we haven't even talked about audience audience, obviously is a big part of that, but um, the challenge in their current situation. And then how are they, how are they trying to, or not how are they trying to solve it, but like what goal are they trying to solve for? So yeah, I hope that's kind of answered that question. That, that answered what, what do you do? Yeah. Um, like, cause what do you do when like the client just approaches you and says like, look, I'm, I'm still looking around for companies. Like I just need like a quick quote for this. Uh, we need this type of video roughly like, cause what you're doing is much more like intensive. Like you're doing a consultation first to diagnose the problem and whatnot, but yeah. which is great. Cause that's the way it should be done. But a lot of the times they just reach out and go like, I got like 10 of the people I got to reach out to just to get like five quotes so that my manager can just approve one of them. Right. So, yeah, which is like, like rough, that's kind of what we deal with on a regular basis. I'm sure you guys gotcha. deal with that too. Right. Yeah, we do. But, uh, so I get, I get, thank you for clarifying that. So I get what you're going about on that. That's where the being the expert really plays in and showing up as the expert first and the executioner second. And, um, you know, there's a really good book called that I was just just in the midst of reading called uh, Winning Without Pitching Manifesto by um, N. Finns or something. That's uh, the well, second I, time that book's been mentioned. Nice. <laughs> yeah, well, the reason it's so good is, and I've read a few other books on like expertise, is it really shows you how important being an expert is when someone comes to you. If, they, if that person that you're describing is talking to 10 other people and they're not willing to give you the time to let you, let you, the expert, diagnose their problem to give them a proper solution or strategy to solve that goal, for, we don't even, we're not going to work with them. We don't want to work with a client like that, that you're just looking for some commodity. You're looking for a pair of hands. You're looking for a camera that can go do this thing that you feel is the best thing that's going to solve for that. Yeah. But if you're coming to us, that's looking to get a problem solved. We're going to, we're going to take it on us to say, we're the experts here. We're going to lead you through our process, our framework for solving for that problem that we've done for X amount of clients. Here's our process. Here's how we do it. But this, we need to go through this. And if we don't, if you're not willing to do that, then we're not, we're not the right fit for you. So I think a bit of it is again, owning your framework. And a lot of, again, a lot of agencies, a lot of salespeople don't have a framework. So they just, whatever, <laughs> it's funny when I'm on the flip side, because I do a lot of our selling uh, for the agency, yeah. but whenever I'm in the other seat, like when I'm the client looking for a solution, I always ask them, I'm like, listen, whatever your process is, I'm willing to go through it. Nine times out of 10, they don't have a process. So when a client that is going to be very forceful and very type A, that person, that salesperson is just going to instantly kind of 
puppy dog to them, right? And let them lead the situation. It was like, no, 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 no. We're the experts here. You're coming to us to solve a problem, not the other way around. And if you let it be the other way around, you instantly become commoditized and then you are being compared to 10 other people. And it is price that matters. And yeah, you can make a fancy proposal and yeah, you, you know, you can try to woo them with all this extra stuff that you're going to put on the table to, to get the deal done. But ultimately what you need to do is say, here's our framework. Here's how we get results. And if you want that result, we're going to go through this framework, right? And really letting them guide that through. And one thing you mentioned is like, hey, I just need to get this quote and bring it back to my manager. I get the manager on the phone. And if I can't, then I get really, really clear on what the manager's like and what they need to know in order that I don't care about fancy proposals. I care about the content that's in the proposal that when the manager does read it, I'm connecting with the manager. But a lot of the time, if you just ask, and a lot of people are afraid to ask for the decision maker to get, a, get in front of them, like, oh, they're too busy, right? That's something you make up in your mind then ultimately you won't get in front of them. But if you just ask, a lot of the time they will actually allow you to, to, to schedule time with the manager, get in front of them, just put a good reason, which there is a good reason. Hey, if we want to give you the best service, we need to talk to everyone involved in the project, right? So um, yeah, that, that's kind of how we go about that. Again, sometimes it's saying no, but a lot of the time it's showing up as the expert and leading them through your framework, but you have to have a framework. It's been, uh, it's been very ingrained in our messaging since we started as well and made that shift from real estate to marketing videos is we're not just videographers. We're not just going to have somebody show up with a camera and shoot what you're looking for us to shoot. It's the consultation and diagnosis before that, because at the end of the day, how easy is it to go buy a camera off Amazon, show up and start shooting something, right? You can have no concept as to what the video is that you're shooting, no strategy intended behind it, no, no result plan for it. Uh, and yeah, you're going to have a video that you can put on your website, but it's not going to have any focus or, or context, right? So uh, the, things like that um, have, have helped us differentiate ourselves throughout the past few years. Do, do you find that you're still limited though? Because yeah, you can, you can create all these different videos that can help them with their goal. But at the end of the day, if they don't put the marketing into it, that would be required, right? Because video is one side of the equation. The marketing would be the second side. Wouldn't that like affect um, like the quality of, well, not the quality, but the results that you guys are, are kind of pitching to them? Because it's like, okay, I created this video for you. You're not marketing it. Yeah. Got poor results. Why would I go through with the other five other videos that you proposed? Yeah, this happens a lot. Like we've, uh, at least early on, we noticed with a lot of the earlier projects where they, they wanted the, the best of the best in the, in the video. We did that. But then at the end of the day, it just ended up sitting on, uh, on YouTube only accumulating maybe at most a couple of hundred views. And, you know, like, is that like one of the things that you guys typically bet for when you are looking for, uh, when you are in taking a, a new lead is if they want this particular result, would it need an advertising budget or a marketing budget to push it out there and get those results? Because so, like, you can have the video, but if you don't have the push, then that video won't, won't reach those results either. Is that one way that you kind of vet through them as well? I mean, first of all, I, I agree on that point, and that's that's pretty important. And, and we've gone through phases of that, and even before I came to the picture, which has been a year now, I know Brayden and Colin have have handled that in different cases. But I um, mean, Brayden, by all means, like at some point, you should bring up uh, Franklin Enclosures and and how we approach that. But there's a few ways to go about it. So the first thing is, is we were in the process of kind of 
like Colin, Colin and Braden, and I've joined a year ago, they've built it up to a really good point where we have a good structure, we have a good network, we have a good brand, you know, we have lots of, not case studies, but port, we have a big portfolio now. And so we were at the position where do we niche down and kind of broaden what we're offering to that point, start to offer more things like uh, the advertising side of it, the implementation, the distribution, or which we've come to conclusion on is we're just going to horizontally position ourselves where we're now going to separate from the individuals that, that need the video and the marketing to just implementing the video into a marketing team. So I'll give you an example. We just signed on um, a great furniture company that has an entire team dedicated to pushing out advertising. Their, their whole team's dedicated around branding. And they're, you know, again, a 50, I think 50 to 70 person company, bigger revenue, marketing budgets are there. They have a dedicated team that's going to implement that. So when they come to us, they're just looking for the video side and they know exactly how they're going to distribute it. Where before, when you're dealing with these smaller companies and you're dealing with the individual realtor or you're dealing with the individual lawyer, a lot of them don't have a dedicated marketing team. So you, you got to do two things. And I'll let Braden touch on what we did for Franklin, because you can either partner with a, an agency that you say, hey, we're just a video team and we have partner A that's going to then implement this, because if you don't, you're not going to get the results that you're looking for, right? Or yeah. you then expand and start to put some of those services before and after to say, hey, we're going to put some ad spend behind it. We implement your email marketing that pushes it to whatever that looks like. You either got to do it in-house if you're going to be promising that, or you got to find a reliable agency, which there's tons of them out there that focus around YouTube ads, focus around Facebook ads that can work with you on an ongoing basis. But we did that with Franklin Enclosure, and I'll let Braden talk on it because we got amazing results um, by doing that partnering with an agency. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you mentioned it with trusted partners, right? We didn't, we never wanted to be a, a full service agency and be just have all of these different skill sets that we're offering, um, but not really be an expert in one of them, right? We're experts in video. That's what our focus is. And we bring in experts as needed to, to run the marketing if, if, in that case. And Ken mentioned Franklin Enclosures. Like we worked very closely right from the beginning of that project with them to create a series of Facebook ads that were going to be utilized in a very specific way to drive traffic to their product, right? So um, it's those, I won't go into the intricacies of that, of that Facebook campaign that we ran for them. It was very successful, um, but it was that relationship that we had with the marketing agency that allowed us to create results-driven videos that were specifically going to have traffic dripped through those uh, videos. So a, a rough overview of that campaign that we did, um, somebody who would watch the first 20 or 30 seconds of, of the first video on Facebook would unlock the second video. So it'd basically be nurturing a, a cold audience through to their product or service, right? Based on the interest uh, and the viewer engagement that they had on Facebook. So those types of projects can be successful if you if you have the partners in place. But to Cam's point, as of recently, I'd say in the in the past like month or two, we've really niched down the fact that we're going to be working with clients that have large budgets, that have large teams, uh, and they already have a, a team and plan in place, or have ran multiple campaigns in the past, uh, and they just need somebody who's going to create an emotionally engaging, creative uh, story, mm -hmm. which is which is ultimately our logo, right? So that's what we focus on. And, and, and just to add on to that, something really important for any, you know, uh, creatives or agencies that are listening, if you're going to go down the path where you're finding 
uh, outside partner to work with, bring them in right as soon as you know you're either going to be working with them or like starting to develop what that video or what the, the plan's going to be. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but like that's when Mike, the partner, was involved, like right from the get-go. Because if yeah. you go create these videos and you don't involve the partner until they're ready and then the partner's like, man, we needed this, this, and this in the videos. We can't be leveraging these. So have that. And over time, you ultimately want a partner that you can trust and lean on and go back to time and time again and really build that relationship. But the key I want to point out there is if you're going to go down that route where you know you want to at least have the conversation with the client that we can also distribute, not through us, but with the partner, um, have the partner involved early on in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely a smart move uh, because another thing that you also kind of inadvertently do with the client is that you also show how valuable it is to respect the the experts in the industry because you know what you know, but you also know that you need other people who know that other part better because, like you said, you can do everything, but you could be. Um, well, I don't remember the exact phrase like a master yeah. of none, but like uh, yeah. being able to do anything. Yeah. Uh, but you won't be, as you said, the expert in all those aspects. It's good to focus on one and work closely with people that are experts as well. And then you guys all elevate each other uh, collectively, you know, because they also have their network that they can leverage. You have yours that you could leverage. And then that just kind of is like a snowball effect uh, allows you to totally. expand further. Yep. Definitely. Uh, Cam, we didn't get your background. So why don't you uh, tell us a bit yeah. about like how you started, how you got to, how you joined the team and everything. Yeah. 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 We can take a few steps back. So, um, I've been, it literally been a year. I, I think I closed the first deal with, uh, for your story start of February. It was like first week of February back in 2021. Um, but myself, Braden Colin, you know, we've known each other since like mid 2018 when I actually moved out to Vancouver where we all live now. Um, through a door-to-door -door job and we just started to get to know each other nothing really came of it but then fast forward to myself leaving a tech startup where I was the first employee helped grow that up uh, from you know zero to thirty thousand dollars in MRR very focused on the sales and marketing side amazing opportunity but when I left that I was kind of like you know what's the next step and I've wanted to explore a few things on my own so uh, ended up you know testing out an e-commerce product uh, which was red light therapy and it just so happened that I was out here on a trip with Braden Con and some other buddies and we ended up like deciding to go in on it together on this e-commerce kind of venture and in the midst of that as we were really grinding to make this thing work and uh, it, it was a tough go I'm not gonna lie it was a tough go but in the midst of that they knew that I had sales experience um, Colin and Braden were getting busier they didn't want to focus on the sales and like Dude, why don't we're working on this e-commerce thing together? Why don't you just come, you know, take some of the sales uh, and we'll just pay you commission. And so over time, while we're working on Above Club, we just very naturally started to do this thing with your story where I would just, you know, get any inbound calls, inbound leads. I would take them, close them, get paid commission. And it, it just flowed so well, uh, I think for two reasons. One, the three of us are very aligned from like a value standpoint, you know, how we see a look on life. But two, we all have different skill sets. Uh, I don't know if you guys are taking like any personality tests, but we're big on personality tests and just like really understanding everyone's strengths and weaknesses. And we're, we're literally very complimentary of each other. And so it just naturally fit. And then the conversation just came up. You're like, hey, like we're not making any money off this, you know, e-commerce venture. 
but we're just doing absolutely nothing on this, but actually making quite a bit of money, putting very little effort into this. Why don't we just, you know, cut our losses here, go all in and really focus on this. And that's when, you know, we decided all three of us would focus all of our energy back on this, go full time on your story, um, start to build out the sales systems, which has never been done. And, and really, I think on Colin and Braden's and turn it into a real business. Like they just saw it as an opportunity to, to be their own bosses. And when all three of us took, took a, a, an oath to each other to step in and go, go full time on this. It, it became something real. And, and now it's been going to the next step. We did our biggest year last year uh, since myself coming on and starting to implement some early sales. So my background sales and marketing, I've done some cool things door to door, ran my own painting business, but um, that's kind of the path on how we've integrated into each other's lives and now business. Have you, have you guys, so uh, Brandon, Brandon, have you like, like the, the whole sales talk you were doing earlier, like, is that something that you brought to the team or like, did you guys, Braden, did you have something similar? And then Cam just helped you guys solidify it. Yeah. So we had uh, a variety of tools that we were using for sales. I'd say as of the past two years, we've had a lot of organic traffic, uh, putting some investments into SEO. We started ranking on page one of Google and a lot of grateful now that a lot of our traffic does come from from inbound um in the early stages when it was nobody knew about us we didn't have a website that was ranking we didn't have social media profiles we had zero network and no experience in the industry it was picking up the phone and cold calling 40 hours a week right it was getting the reps in talking to people talking to business owners um, figuring out what their problems are, what are they struggling with, um, using practice, practice, practicing what we were preaching, sending cold video pitches, uh, again, with the same format, going through sales training, uh, Jordan, Jordan Belfort's courses, uh, Grant, Card Grant, Grant Cardone <laughs> courses, like just whatever we could get our hands on, right? Um, and that was working very well for us. People were, people were very receptive. Um, I'd say in regards to having a full-on sales system, that is something that we are now developing and that Cam has, has brought, to, brought to the table with his expertise. Uh, Colin, and, Colin and I are really on the, on the production systems end and the, uh, the actual end product, right? So the service delivery. Um, but super excited now. Obviously, we have our inbound that's, that's performing really well, and we're going to continue to invest in that. Um, but Cam, I mean, you can allude to what you're kicking off with the, with the outbound sales system now, right? That's, that's definitely an evolution of what we were doing, doing uh, a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you guys want us to, to kind of go down the sales rabbit hole a bit? Or? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, we... Our, our sales uh, process is like super straightforward, but you guys like seem to have it nailed down to like a science. So it's, it's so interesting to see that you guys have implemented this in, yeah. in our industry because like I, I don't know too many people that or too many companies that probably do it the way you guys are doing it. Like They're you the guys, first. yeah, the like first prob probably, probably one of the first That's ones cool. that we've talked to that do it like this. It's, it's super interesting to hear because yeah. I would have never thought someone would have implemented it in our industry successfully. So yeah, just, we we've mentioned in previous episodes that it's how difficult it is because we've tried to do something similar uh, in the past and i think we just were unlucky in, in the fact that we didn't meet the right people whereas you guys were fortunate enough to find uh, someone who shared the same values as you you know have worked together have known known each other beforehand and just kind of like it, it just made sense for you guys right so um but you also mentioned that it was like the first time um you guys went full-time 
kind of like somewhat recently over the last few years, right? Was it like when you guys, the three of you decided to start working together or was it kind of a little bit before that as well? Yeah, so we were just for context, like we were we were operating for probably three or four years yeah. Uh, yeah. before last year, before Cam came on board. But he mentioned that that transition period where we started to take it a little bit more seriously. I feel like in this industry, there's a and uh, in, in any this is in any business, right? There's a, a a gap that you need to fill from being a freelancer or being the actual person delivering yeah. the product to running a business. Yeah. Um, so so hence why our team has grown. We're roughly seven or eight people now are uh, getting more and more detached from the actual service delivery. And that was the transition that we really made when the three of us partnered up just for- What would, what would you say is that gap? Like, what, what, how would you describe working, that? Working in your business versus working on your business. Yeah. Yeah. So the moment, that you, go, the moment that you go from being the executioner, which is technically being self-employed, you don't report to anyone, but like you still need to show up and do the work versus having a business that's growing you know on like someone else's time right that you have a right. team that's showing up to do the work that you've implemented through the systems that you've built so like with you coming in uh, and like developing the sales strategy does that kind of force the three of you to just kind of take as you mentioned take that step back and kind of focus on the business more so and the sales aspect and the growth yeah, it's yeah. been a lot of it's been a lot of systems building over the past year or so right? in all areas, in all areas, because it inherently with more sales becomes more projects. Yeah. And two, two people can only film so much and edit so much. Right. Yeah. Especially <laughs> with post, post-production like that. Natural that's limits. The most, yeah. Exactly. The, nat, the natural limits of, of post-production. Right. You can only be working on a few projects at once. So that realization paired with the fact that we had goals that we, we had set and there was a direction that we wanted to go in uh, inherently meant that we, we needed to hire. So what are the hiring systems that we need to build out? Um, what is the production systems that we need to build out to maintain quality? I feel like that's a, a big challenge that a lot of videographers have is, and it was for us, is how do we maintain the quality, which is what our business has been built on for the past three or four years. It's our product. How do we maintain that when we're onboarding somebody, right? It's a, it's a lot more than, oh, look, this editor has a, a great portfolio. We need to bring them on. The values need to align. The communication needs to align. Um, we need to build out a revision process and a, uh, a template that we can utilize in, in Google Drive to leave comments efficiently and communicate with, with clients, right? So it's a lot of those that we've been developing over the past year or so. Uh, and again, that just comes back to turning it more into a business than it was what that it was previously. How did you how fast did you grow your team? Because I remember looking on your website, you guys seem to have like it's pretty big team. Like did that happen people all at once? Or did you start off with like um I don't know bringing on a full-time editor and then slowly adding like a PA full time and then like how, how, tell us about that. Yeah. So that's been all in the past, I'd say six, seven months um, that we started growing the team. It was literally wow. me, me, Cam and Colin when we started to started to build out these systems, but inherently it was one, we have way too much post-production. We're up till two in the morning editing. We need an editor. So that was the first, that was the first conversation, uh, finding somebody part-time at first that could eventually roll into a full-time role, which is more so what it is now. Um, we needed help with all the admin stuff. Um, communication with clients, emails, in, like when you have so time consuming, it's yeah. time, time consuming, right? So we brought on a, an executive assistant who has now merged more into a, like a project manager role. Who's really in charge of the scheduling, logistics, uh, emailing back and forth, shot lists, storyboards, 
things like that to, to make sure everything runs smoothly on set. Uh, as Cam mentioned, he's building out an outbound sales, uh, outbound sales system. So he naturally needed another hand with that. So he's, we have a sales development representative on board now as well. Oh, wow. Um, and then we also have a uh, photographer that we that we work with as well, and have now onboarded a, a full time cinematographer to to really man man the rig on set. So, wow! That's like, I, uh, <laughs> what kind of like outbound like strategy do you like, have? You guys kind of developed? It's like that requires that such a huge yeah. amount of like focus. Like, I, like firstly, like finding one person to do sales is it's hard enough. Hard, as it is. Hard now enough you got but... two. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, Sam's the wizard behind that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, in, in all transparency, this is something that's just being ramped up because just to give some context, like yeah. year ago, year ago, I joined, it was just a matter of like, I never sold video in my life. Before that, I was selling software and, be, you know, in between software and video, I was selling cars. So the sales cycle is the same with most of the stuff, but ultimately, you still got to figure that out. And so the first step was like, just getting a hold of, of how to sell video and like, the nice thing was I had the marketing experience, but then for that first, you know, I would say almost six, seven, eight months, it was just getting really comfortable selling video and the different types of video and like my take on it. And this is where coming back to being, being an expert versus just like, you know, doing whatever the client is. And so now we're at the point where like, I'm really confident. I feel like I can be the expert in the situation. And so we've now got to that point. Then we had the conversation of, okay, here's where we're at in the business. Do we niche down and start to expand, which we've talked about, or do we just really hone in on getting good at selling video into marketing uh, organizations, right? We made that decision. And so now we're like, okay, how can we drive a crap ton of leads? And when those leads come in, effectively uh, nurture them and close them. And so that comes in twofold. SEO has been great. We have a bit of Google ads that we're running. Um, SEO has clearly been a, a great tool and great investment for us, which we're going to continue. So the outbound is going to be complementing that because here's the thing about outbound or better yet, here's the thing about SEO is SEO is great, but you don't, you don't control that. Like you are uh, at the will of big tech, right? And so you, with outbound, you are in complete control of all the inputs, which then naturally controls the outputs. And so on the outbound side, I'm in the process of developing that through my experience in doing door-to-door, -door, selling at uh, the tech company when I built up the sales strategy at the tech company, uh, and now you know taking all the knowledge that I've built over the past year to develop something that really makes sense based off of who we're selling to and what we're selling. Okay, So the outbound strategy that we're putting in place is actually from a few different resources, but I found like a, a core resource that uh, for anyone listening, I would highly check it out. It's called um, Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And the core premise of it that we're really developing is like education-based marketing. And so you want to take your knowledge and turn it into some sort of core story is what he calls it. We're calling it like our thesis, right? Uh, that we believe this is the best way to execute on X desired result, right? So if you're coming to us to get more brand awareness, we're going to say this is the best way to do it. If you're coming to us to convert more leads, into uh, appointments, this is you know, how we go about it. And so we're gonna build education to then deliver to our, um, our potential prospects and then ultimately turn them into leads. And by shifting that from just like trying to get on the phone and have conversations with them and try to pitch them right away 
to building educational assets that we call them or email them and be like, hey, you know, are you looking to do X? You know, here's some great strategies on how to be doing it. Hop on the phone with me. I'll walk through three strategies that we're seeing in your industry right now that works. Okay. And by the end of that, this does two things, right? It positions you as an expert, right? We were going back to this expert thing. So it positions you as an expert. And then it also educates them on our process. So the, it making it either the best and only way to get this X result that they're looking for. So by the end of that call, they're like, this sounds great. What do I do with this information? And the natural next step is how, right? So you say, hey, you know, can I take like five minutes and explain what we do? And, and maybe we can hop on another call and see if we're the right fit for actually helping you execute on some of this. And then you naturally progress into what would be a, a sales call or what we would call a strategy session or strategy call. And so the outbound, the outbound looks like scraping leads. Again, you can get leads or I should say prospects. Leads are people that are actually showing interest. Prospects yeah. are just people within your target audience. Um, scraping prospects, you want email, phone number, getting them on the phone via email or doing a quick cold call, whatever you know your preferences. There's so many ways to do it with like sales automation tools, email sequencing tools, such as you know Woodpecker, Lemless, tools like that, Close.io um, or Close.com now. And then once they're on, get on the call, do what we're positioning as education-based marketing. We're giving them value up front, right? We're not just trying to pitch them on something, but we're educating. Really what we're doing is we're educating them on a process to get a result. So if they're looking to get that result, they've just bought, if we do a good job, they've just now bought in to the way we get that result as the best or only way to do it. And so again, natural next step, how do I do it? Now we get on a strategy session. That strategy session turns into hopefully the decision makers coming on. If the decision maker is not on, this is basically what we'll be doing. We run through everything. We identify that, like, hey, you know, does this all sound good? If you're going to be the end user or say a marketing manager, right? If we're talking to a marketing manager, then probably not the decision maker, the CMO or director of marketing is going to be. So does this all sound good? Do you buy into this? Do you think this would help achieve your marketing goals? Yep. Okay, cool. So let's get, you know, Sharon, who's the director of marketing on the call. Let's review what we just talked about. Let's reaffirm, see if she has any questions. And at the end of that, then I'll kind of present what it would cost to work with us. Does that sound good? Okay, cool. And then we go through that process again, buy, get her to buy into the thesis, get her to buy into what we're going to be providing for them, and then ultimately close. So that's going to be the outbound process. Um, it's predictable, right? The more input you put in, ideally, once you get a, a solid system in place, you can have an expected output um, and you can just crank it up. And that's why now I have, I've kind of recruited a sales guy, killer guy, uh, very similar to myself. So once I get this up and running, we're going to be bringing him in. And it's just a numbers game, right? Like the more, the more prospects you can put in the top, you know, the more sales you're going to get at the bottom. So that's wow. wow that's a crazy long process i i can imagine I, I understand why like you 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 brought on another person because yeah that, that does take a lot of time right like because you are doing a whole it's it, you've developed like quite the process i gotta say he is the sales <laughs> wizard cam is the sales wizard you know uh, Matt's like it's like straightforward taking... but it's very like in, like intensive at the same it's a time system, right like uh again the the thing that you guys want to pay attention and by all means I'm, I'm learning from wizards. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Like this isn't me just pulling it out of my ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's learning, right? It's figuring this stuff out through yeah. repetition, right? Uh, but also learning. And I think a lot of people don't do this when they start businesses. They get too focused on the doing. And yeah. then they're so busy doing the work 
that they don't work on their business or work on their skill set. So this is a matter of figuring out who's doing it the best and bringing it into your business. But the biggest thing, the reason that all sounds like a lot is because the system is a lot, but with the magic of the internet, the magic of software, the magic of automation, a lot of it, once it's put in place, it's very straightforward. You just need to know what are your inputs? What are the scripts? What are the next steps? What are the clear you know, frameworks that you're putting in place and just executing on it, right? So once we have that, it's a matter of just cranking numbers. I wonder though, if it, if it works, it, like, do you think it'll work all across all boards or do you think like you're, you're, you're limited to certain types of businesses like that? Like, cause you, you'd have to get like direct access to some of those people versus like, like I'm trying to think of our clients that we've, we've gotten via referrals or, or, uh, or they just reached out to us directly. Like I wouldn't even know how I would able, be able to do that kind of process with them, that kind of cold calling approach or cold calling with educational content yeah. approach. Cause it's like, they're, it seems like they're a lot of, a lot of these people are kind of insulated. Like it'd be really difficult to reach out to them within that yeah. manner. Like- what, give me, so let's break that down. Who is uh, like, who's, who's some of your bigger clients or like mid-sized clients, like even so industry wise. Uh, okay. So as an example, maybe we can use, uh, okay. Let's say someone in the, financial industry right in a bank like how would you would you be able to do like that whole would would you be able to implement that system with like a cmo of like a bank so you guys have worked with like cmos for for like the big five or are you talking like more financial advisors like wealth management firms so we've worked with banks in the past but more so like in certain departments right so the one thing we've learned with uh like a lot of these much larger organizations is that you're not going to be working right away with the CMO. Like that, that, that just doesn't no. happen. You know, they're usually working with massive global ad agencies, yeah. you know, for these global campaigns, but they do, there are a lot of like, say departments or sectors within the business that, uh, um, within the bank, for example, that also do their own, uh, portion of work content and yeah. things like that. So it's hard to kind of figure out who those would be. Right. And a lot of the time we've only done work with them because, you know, we got recommended or it was word yeah. of mouth. Um, whereas like now a lot of the, uh, kind of companies that we work with are more kind of like mid-size where it's a little bit easier to, yep. to get in touch with them. So like, I guess to Dario's point, how would you identify those kind of like niched out, like sectors within bigger companies to work with? Yep. Them? Well, I think that's where honing in on certain industries really like allow you to move quicker. Again, the first couple of times when you're, when you're probing into these, these businesses, you're not going to have, you can have, you have certain business tools, like a tool that we're going to be using like seamless AI or LinkedIn uh, sales navigator, where you can start to understand the structure of the business and what departments are what. Uh, but ultimately the first couple of times it's, it's kind of, you know, throwing a dart uh, in blind, but once you start doing it, you get the hang of it. You start to understand who's who start to understand what titles are what. And again, like you mentioned, you're not going to be dealing with the CMO of, Scotiabank, but they're going to have their sub budgets. And so once you understand who those are, that's probably going to be the case for all of the banks. The titles might be a little different, but the say director of marketing and consumer services might have a $50,000 or $100,000 budget to spend on local marketing. And that's probably the case for the big five and then all the other smaller credit unions or wealth management. So once you understand that, and that's why it's really important to like, hone in, even if you're going to horizontally position, pick three or four industries 
and identify who those people are. And a lot of the time, here's a little trick. You don't need to know who the decision maker is right away. You can go in and say, hey, uh, are you the right person for X reason or for X cause? If not, can you please refer me to who this would be? You're not giving any context to what you're selling. You're just like looking for a contact. And a lot of the time, it's no risk to them just to fire off and forward that email and say, hey, here's who you'd want to reach out to. And then oh, you can wow. start to pick up on that through a one. And the best part is when you do that, you get a warm referral from someone in the company by getting that. So if they end up firing back, be like, hey, you know, Joe from X department just sent me over your information, thought it'd be a good time to connect. We do X reason, right? This is why I'm reaching out. So there's a few ways you can go about it, but I think the biggest thing is repetition, identifying and like getting really in, into a scientific method about it, like being very methodical about, okay, this person typically isn't the, the influencer, they report to so, so-and-so. And you start to build these like internal charts as like, you know, maps almost. Um, and then a lot of the time, you don't need to know who the decision maker is off the first go. Get on a call with someone, educate them, get them to get buy-in and become an influencer internally and be like, Hey, Joe, like who else do we need to get on board? Like, do you buy into this? Do you think this would help like the, the organization or the goals for, you know, your marketing? Oh yeah. Like this is amazing. Like, okay. Like how can we get so-and-so involved or who else needs to be involved so we can push this through the company? Because a lot of the time, especially in these bigger organizations, it's not like everyone has a piece of the company attached to them. Like if you're a smaller company, there's very much like that emotional attachment to the company and they're more defensive about it. Yeah. But when you're talking to just a, some marketing manager at a huge company, man, they want to just impress their boss. So if they, if you can get them to buy into how this is going to get them a promotion or get them to look, look good in the company, they're going to make shit happen for you. Right. So it's about that education part, providing value up front to maybe it's not the decision maker right away but providing value and then getting in, seeing your, getting seen as a trusted advisor or expert and then moving your way just by simply asking. So there's a, a few ways to go about it. Um, but again, there's lots of tools that allow you to find uh, key people with the emails, with the phone numbers, and then just probing in using tools like Lemless and Woodpecker to fire cold emails out, get the touch points, get on the phone and go from there. So it, it's incredible to hear how like such classic uh, sales um, uh, strategies and ideas, even though like you've essentially kind of uh, elevated them and merged them with the video production industry, they're still like, it's just amazing how they, it shows that it still works at times, right? It's just a matter of like 100%. how people are executing on it, right? It's almost like sometimes you even hear like these sales strategies about cold calling and cold outreach. Yeah, it's tedious for most, but you know, if you know what you're doing, you're like you're gonna find find out who is the key person in that in that company. You know, this these are like strategies that go back decades. You know, like it's it's crazy to 100%. see that how they still work uh, even in these industries. A lot of time, it's a limiting belief that it doesn't work. They don't they want it to not work because they're like, I don't want to do the cold calls. I don't want to like sit there and send the emails. And and I the reason I can say that is because I did door to door for two years. I didn't want it to work because I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't, I don't want to have to go knock doors, but it works. So it's like, it was a limiting belief of mine that it didn't work. And I think, especially in the creative space, and this is why you, I think you guys said what you said, you've never heard of a company kind of applying this sales uh, in the way we are is because a lot of creatives like get this in their mind that, you know, these old gimmick, gimmicky sales methods, they don't work. Nobody wants to do it, but it's like, 
Is that the case or is it just a limiting belief in your mind that I'm thinking this because I don't actually want to go and do that? Or do we need to all find a cam? Right, Brayden? Is that it? Is that the approach? We all need to find our own cam. <laughs> well, the reality is there's no way to learn that stuff without putting the reps in, right? Like it's the door to door. It's the tech companies working for it's the books, it's the education, it's the resources, right? Um, the longer you do it, the better you get at it. I did it for me and Colin did it for probably a year to two years. Um, and then we decided we wanted to really focus on the production and storytelling side. We're creatives, right? That's why we, that's why we started it. We love the story. We love the, the engagement, right? So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just putting the reps in with the sales, the sales side Cam has experience. So yeah. for, for advice for anybody watching this a hundred percent, like if, if your skill set and, and passion and focus and drive isn't towards sales and marketing, um, cool. You're gonna have to learn it to a degree. If you're going to start a business, that's the reality of it. You need to have the foundational knowledge, but if that's not what you want to focus on, definitely find somebody, find somebody you can bring in partner with incentivize them. Um, that's, that's not a bad approach and it's going to help. It's going to help the business grow at the end of the day. You know, what's interesting is that like, you know, like kind of like looking back on it, what the one thing that you guys, uh, Brandon, you and Colin did right was you set your foundation up with the business and set up like even the sales, like ideas early on so that when someone like cam came in, it was easier to kind of give him at least something to work with and start so that everything can be elevated. When we were looking for a sales guy back in like 2017, 2018, um, we didn't, we, we clearly didn't have that foundation, uh, at that point. Cause, uh, one thing that Dara and I've talked about in the past is how up until the pandemic, we basically were like two freelancers that just kind of work together a lot. That's kind of how our business was. And then right. the pandemic kind of made us realize, Oh, you know, like, let's, let's redo this a little bit. Let's, let's kind of re reverse engineer it. But now looking back, it's like, Oh, it's because of that. There was no foundation back then for that other salesperson to kind of work off of, they were trying to kind of guess. Yeah. And that's why uh, it didn't work out for us back then. Whereas for you guys, it did. Yeah. It's, I, it's... I... Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll mention something because there's two very different things from a salesperson and like an entrepreneur, I guess is the best way to describe myself yeah. is like, I've always seen myself as my own business, whether I'm working in someone else's business right. or running my own business. And there's a very, very big distinction from that to a salesperson. And I oh, know a lot of salespeople from being in sales, uh, doing door to door, you know, knowing just people in the sales industry, those kind of individuals that don't have the entrepreneurial drive, but are just like, they're good at sales, they're good at talking, they're employees. And so they think as employees and employees need systems to get told what to do and have that kind of chief aim to get almost like a carrot, you know, the, the carrot on stick, they need something like that. And a lot of the time, these sales guys like commission, they want the commission. And so if that's not there, if they can't see a way to join your company, sell a great product and make money, a lot of them, they won't be enticed or you won't find someone by reaching out. And that's why Braden mentioned, like, if you can find a partner uh, that is someone more entrepreneurial, that's willing to put the systems, if you don't want to put the systems in or can't put the systems in place, for whatever reason, that's where someone like myself can come in. They can build out that system off the foundation because all I wanted from Colin and Braden was great product because that's the hardest thing about a salesperson. If I don't have a good product to offer, it becomes extremely difficult to do my job and my conviction drops, which is the number one trait a salesperson has to have. So as long as there is a great product with great testimonials and great case studies, I can build everything else. But if you don't have someone that's going to have that like 
self-motivating system system oriented mind then you need to go out either learn how to put the system in place and then say hey salesperson here's the system here's the product here's what you can make if you do xyz inputs and just go and do and a lot of you find one of those salespeople, like i found now that i have the system in place i can just plug them in and the guy's just going to go nuts right but up until then it's going to be very difficult if you don't put that system in place unless you find someone that's systems oriented is willing to come in and build that foundation for you yeah i, th I think you guys definitely lucked out finding each other because um <laughs> i mean for a lot of uh, uh video production owners it's it's hard to fi find the uh, ones that have business partners it's usually either them running the business yeah actually it's mostly just one person running the business usually. right so it's it's hard enough for for them just to find another partner that can just help them out on the creative side of things let alone on the sales or marketing right so that, that's I, mean, I think that's probably why a lot of a lot of uh, uh production owners don't really focus on uh sales that much it's mostly referral or networking because it does take up a lot of time like what you're what what cam you're doing there is like it, it is just a full you're you're it's just full-time sales right. and especially with the with the system you're you're implementing like you can't really focus on that in the morning and then go to a shoot or go edit right after right you got just you just got to focus on that all day long right so for people that are running their own thing like it's it's tricky to do the sales do the marketing the go selling shoot. The creating yeah and have you know pitches for projects it's hard to manage everything at once yeah and, and that that is the gap between the freelancer and running the business as a sole proprietor and the business, right? Like you're not going to be an expert in every single thing. You need to bring people in who are experts at what they do because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy to, to scale, right? Um, you can only be wearing so many hats, but like you can wear all the hats, great, but you're not going to be doing the things as effectively or, or as efficiently as they can be, right? And one of the big things that I want to stress, like just about our business and, and the growth that we've had is I don't want to downplay the mindset because the mindset and the yep. limiting beliefs that Ken mentioned is 99% of it. You can have the, the greatest sales system. You can have all the tools and resources that you need, but it's really the mindset of I can do this or I can find somebody like, uh, I feel like I've run into that issue with, with a lot of, a lot of creatives is they'll say like, Oh, this just hasn't, hasn't worked or uh, I can't find the right person or a lot of other people can't find the right people to bring in. But it's, it's just shifting that to I need somebody and I can find somebody and there is somebody out there who's going to be able to come and add value to the business, right? Um, it's 99% of it in life, oh, in, life in, in life in general, but like, especially in, especially in, in business, right? It's just like changing the, the vocabulary. Oh, 100%. Like I remember when, uh, when we were starting out, um, I was actually like about half a year to about a year into it uh, before Dario. And uh, when we were first kind of like talking about, you know, working together, like I, I knew, like we knew that we had the right mindsets together, you know, like we had a lot of like the same kind of ideas, the same interests. And, you know, we knew that we could probably grow together. So even though like at the beginning, there wasn't that much experience, you know, we saw that there was potential down the line. And that's why we've been able to work so well together, uh, you know, through the good and the bad, you know, like uh, things like pandemics can typically, you know, destroy companies, destroy uh, business partnerships, uh, you know, I'm sure that happens all the time, but because, you know, him and I had the same resolve and, um, and, and, you know, like, and vision, we knew that we were going to be pushing forward. So 
uh, I completely agree with you on that. It's always hard though. Like it is still hard to find other people with that right mindset and you need a little bit of luck and, uh, you know, a little bit of life to kind of like throw you a bone in a way. in, in that sense, once in a while, I'm still shocked how many people you guys added in like six months though. Like that's wild. Like, first of all, just on the payroll end, how do you like set aside that much for like, I'm, cause I mean, you can't just bring someone on and like six months, something happens. You don't have enough to pay them. So how did you guys like, uh, um, figure that side out or like the projection side of it. It's like, how did you yeah. determine the projections that would allow you to take on that many people? Yeah. Just look at your monthly cash flow, right? If, if you can't afford it, you can bring somebody on. If you, if you can't, like, it's pretty, pretty black and white in that case, right? When you're looking at your finances, if you, if you can't afford it. Um, one thing that has helped in regards to payroll that I think would be relevant to that question is uh, retainers, right? So like having monthly okay. recurring revenue coming in, that's what changed our business from the degree of of being able to scale um, because we went from one-off videos that we were producing for, for clients where we get 50% deposit up front. The video might not be finished for a wide variety of different reasons for one month, two months, three months. So what does that look like from a cash flow perspective? Pretty hard to have people on, on payroll and on salary yeah. when that's the case. Um, so that Which was- we big... are switching. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Well, this improving, increasing lifetime value in general, right? But. Um, retainers is a, is the answer to that question for for being able to grow how long ago were you did you guys start shifting from one-off projects to retainer work yeah i mean in in an ideal scenario all of them are retainers right like there's, yeah. but there's only so many clients that that are one willing to to do that but two need the ongoing work and help right so that is a that is a search to find the clients we're always looking for more um but we've Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, it's just going to jump in because there's two things. I mean, one to the to your first question about um, about when's the right time and like how do you how do you make that happen? One thing because our first hire was the VA, so I was on commission, so there wasn't VA any... is VA is what? Sorry, or sorry, EA executive assistant virtual oh, okay. assistant. Yeah, yeah. So like that was our first quote unquote hire because I was on commission, so I wasn't anywhere on the payroll. Colin and Braden were paying themselves. <laughs> But so I only I only got paid when you know money came in right um, on the VA side or EA side uh, we hired someone that was freshly out of school and there's a program for anyone in Canada listening called Venture for Canada I do think I don't know if it applies to Ontario I have to check but we got up to seventy five hundred dollars for her and we pay her twenty two dollars an hour um, to do everything and like I think we had four months worth of work already paid at a part-time for like 20 hours so there's grants oh, wow. not to get into the details but that's some some tangible stuff you can take search up right now apply for and find some great great people coming out of school that's eager to learn in the creative space like she's been amazing like amazing amazing hire that we found um, so i would recommend venture for candidates looking into grants so that's the first way to kind of make the transition the second thing though is starting with other freelancers is like that's what we've done with our other editor is starting with someone on on a freelance basis couple hours build the relationship get them to buy into the vision so they're not like you know out doing their own thing they're pretty focused on committing to you but you can't commit full time to them and then as the work builds up the retainers build up then you say hey listen let's go to 25 30 40 hours and then let's bring you on full-time salary so just to clarify for everyone thinking like we just instantly brought six people on payroll, 
it's been a progression, but what we have done is we've gotten six to seven people to buy into your story and say, I work with your story. I'm not just a freelancer that's invoicing your story. And they're one of many, like all of them are very committed. They show up to our morning huddles and they've bought into the vision because a, we have a vision, right? A lot of people don't even have a vision or values that you can get your employees or your team members to buy into. And then two, once they bought in, then it's just a matter of bringing them into a full-time scenario. So that's the first thing. The second thing when it comes to retainers is going back to that funnel. Because we know that there's going to be multiple types of videos and because we're positioning ourselves as an expert, some people naturally come to us for retainers. Like we had some great, we had some great clients come in, boom, retainers. They're looking for a retainer right off the bat. But naturally you can get someone in on a one-off, do amazing work. And then because you have an amazing work and you pitch them on what the next steps are, you got to lead the vision for the partnership. If you don't give them anything to like look forward to, they're going to be like, cool, well, thanks for, you know, doing the work. If, if something comes up in my, our mind, we'll come back to you. But if you, the expert, goes to them and say, hey, listen, I know you're looking to solve this other thing. Or now that you have, you know, the awareness side, why don't we talk about the consideration side? Or why don't we talk about the education side? Here's a couple of things we've been thinking about. And now you can start to bring them up the font or bring them up the ascension ladder, the value ladder, however you want to describe it. And maybe it doesn't start off as a retainer, but what it does is it expands the LTV, the lifetime value of the client to keep revenue going in. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. I think it's like five to 10 times cheaper to keep a customer or five times, five to 10 times more expensive to get a customer than it is to keep one. Absolutely. So how can you continue to drive the LTV that happens with knowing upfront what that vision looks like working together as partners, whether that turns into a retainer or just multiple projects, you got to be the one leading them through. And that's something that we've done well because A, we've done great work. B, we've provided a great vision, but we're also, we know we can do way better because the amount of money, once you get trusted as an expert is insane in some of these companies that have the budget to spend. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like at this point, um, uh, Cam, you, uh, you've been now been working with, uh, with the team for about a year. Uh, and it's great that you've learned like so much and you've like elevated everything with the company. Do you find that at times when you're pitching to certain clients, they're asking about certain capabilities that you guys can do. Uh, do you find that you need to kind of consult with, uh, either Braden or Colin, uh, occasionally, you know, on, in terms of like, if certain specific things can be done. Cause like there've been yeah. times where clients have asked us, can we do this one thing where it sounds easy to do, yeah. but it's not easy. You know, it's like, can we make the, can we remove that person from that video shot? It's, it sounds well, don't forget easy. His, don't forget his sales process is long. He's not closing them on a call. Right. So yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He probably I'm, I'm gets sure, all that I'm information, sure. like on the first, like three calls, like, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no. Sure. To that, to that point though, it's a good point to make. And especially if anyone, you know, is thinking about bringing someone on from a sales perspective that either isn't a creative first and they are coming from a sales perspective and then learning the creative side. That's been a challenge for me is like, I started to get comfortable and sometimes I would just pitch numbers out of my ass and just say, yeah, it's going to be 9,500 for this video, not knowing if Colin and Braden is going to shoot me after, or if they're like, holy, you said what, you know? So there's a bit of that. Um, and then there's a bit of saying when there's really, what it's come down to, I've really like honed in on what it typically takes that. And, you know, we found a process internally now that we have employees, we know our hard costs of how much yeah. time the video is going to yeah. take. So we can get a little bit clearer, but a lot of the time I go back to Colin and Brady when there's a lot of logistics involved. So right, right. multiple locations, lots of additional expenses, hard shots, like things like that. 
I'll, I'll say, hey, listen, this is typically where we're going to hang around. Does that sound good with you guys? If we came back around that, would you be okay with that number? Yeah. Okay. Let me talk to Braden. Let me talk to Colin. I'll get back to you with a firm number in our proposal. So that's normally how we take that. If I'm, if I'm really, whoa, this is like very logistically heavy. I don't know what Colin and Braden are thinking. We'll have a conversation. We'll map out the scope. We'll talk about the expectations and we'll put a number down and we'll move forward. But up front, it was a lot of like figuring out trial and error. I know I've shot a few numbers up and, and it was like pretty tight on terms of budget. And then sometimes I shot a number up and it was like 90% gross, you know? So uh, I was going to ask, I was going to ask, there must be a funny story. There must've been a time yeah. <laughs> where you probably said something like, Brandon, was there like one where like he, he kind of pitched something that kind of like, like locked you guys in a box. It's like, Oh shoot. I, I don't know if we yeah. can do it, but we got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of one specifically, but there's definitely been a couple of those. Conversations. I mean, David Reimers with a real, a recent realtor, like we were trying to, you know, get some video, extra videos done. And like, there was just miscommunications that ended up being like a logistical, yeah. you know, drag where we had to go Oof. to multiple, but nothing great, nothing crazy, yeah, yeah. honestly, but, but it's all trial and error, right? Like you, totally. you learn as you go. And usually like anytime that something like that happens, it, it like people can figure it out, you know, and work it out uh, yeah. you know, as always. Uh, but you know, sometimes you never know. There's sometimes always like that one funny story. Like, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> whenever we have to pitch for a pro or we're, they're asking us for numbers for a project, then we're having that initial call with them. I always use the excuse of, yeah, so let me uh, talk to my business partner and I'll get back to you right after that. That, that always yeah. has been helpful. It's like saved us a little bit, you know, where it's like if we've accidentally over, over pitched or under pitched uh, or on anything like that, you know, and that's the one value of having partners and especially amongst the three of you now like there's like a good collective of everyone you know kind of like helping like figure out what is the right approach for every project so that's great yeah, yeah. i think there's something to be noted there sorry Britton, but uh something to note there though is like as you scale if so if anyone listening is looking to scale you want to find a systematic approach to pricing like every project is different but that doesn't mean you can't create some sort of systematic approach to putting a number in front of the client in a more efficient manner without dragging like because there's been times where we've haphazardly like spent an hour to two hours with three of us on a call that's six hours of of the team's time trying to figure out this project that we don't even know we're going to close so sometimes it's good but a lot of the time you should or most of the time unless you're just trying to again maintain a freelance like smaller team you should work towards building some sort of systematic pricing where whoever's doing the sales they can pop open the spreadsheet. They can, you know, think through on the, on the call and put a number in front of them because it can get yeah. a, a draining when, you know, you have seven strategy calls this week that you were pitching price and Hey, Colin, Hey, Brian, can we hop on a call and like talk, oh, this yeah. out? And, you yeah. know, so yeah. it, it's good up front. And for some projects it's needed regardless. That's the nature of the creative business, but you know, there's definitely ways to systemize it. I don't know if you had anything to add there, Brian. Yeah, well, a big part of that was productizing the services as well, right? Knowing what a certain type of video entails from yeah. one number of shoot days, two, if there's actors that need to be involved, how many locations, productizing it to a degree. And then there's only that little bit of variable cost yeah. on top of that. So kind of having this base number uh, and then based on the client and what they're looking for, you can kind of adjust as needed. But um, productizing, productizing the services has been like super, super helpful for us from, from that perspective. Yeah, and you guys that. are just like breaking all the the notions we had going into yep. this. Like going into this, we're like, 
I don't like we 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 didn't think we could you you know someone was implementing this kind of sales approach to uh-huh. the video production industry and then you guys are talking about like retainers with this and like productizing I think we even had a discussion about this in another episode where you can't really productize what we do but it's like you guys like have a whole different approach like I feel like right after this episode I gotta really sit down and just like we really do go yeah. over <laughs> everything slowly well I yeah. think. Uh, to, to, in the reason, as soon as Braden mentioned that, it, the one thing that's so important to flip back to is the expertise side. Because yeah. again, if you can't productize something, if you're letting the client be the leader of the, the partnership or the relationship, because if that's the case, how can you productize their, their idea? Yeah. But if, again, if you build the expertise, you build the leadership and you say, hey, what you're looking to do is this. And then you have a repeatable way to bring them back to this outcome, bring them back to this vehicle that is the product, right? Which is like a video business card, a signature process video, testimonials, case studies. Like you can box a lot of these videos into products, but if you aren't taking the client by the hand and say, come with me, I'm going to show you what's best for you. And they're leading you. There's no way you can ever show them your, you know, your options that are productized. So it goes back to that being expert first, executioner second, and not letting the client uh, lead you, but rather you lead the client. You know, I'm I'm actually curious. Is like, as because you've now gotten to the point where you've product productized your 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 business and your services, has it kind of like gotten to the point now where like you have like a certain set range of budgets that you typically only accept, where it's like say like minimum you need to be getting like at least five to 10k from a project in order to be viable especially when you have such a big team now with certain overhead is there kind of like a baseline that you guys uh, always stick to and hold your guns on yeah i'd say that that baseline has has grown over the past three or four years right you you start to expand as the projects get logistically more involved as well as there's more people involved um but yeah, yeah, we definitely have a baseline baseline number that we work off of, and then and then go from there for sure. I mean, oh, the, the reality is, com- coming back to that comment that I mentioned at the beginning of, you're never going to turn a, a $500 client into a $5,000 client. Never, never, never. It, it's, it's very similar <laughs> turning a two or three thousand or four thousand dollar client into a ten thousand, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar client. Right? Um, they have an idea of what they want to spend, what what the the value of the video is worth, um, and it's just a it's just a mindset gap. I mean, Cam, you can touch on that a little bit more. But. Yeah, it's, you know, um, I really do think it just comes down to uh, saying like, hey, what's the actual thing that we're, we're being asked to do? Uh, and is this the right thing for that that they need? And sometimes like we'll have these one-off things. Like we, I don't know if you guys ever get where you get contacted by another agency and the agency just needs a, like, film right no editing no nothing yeah yeah for those things like yeah sure we'll we'll not go with our standard uh of like a minimum maybe it's you know a couple thousand dollars we just show up shoot ship off the hard drives yeah um but when it does come to those products those like specific videos that we've like categorized there's typically typically a line right video business card that's normally no less than 7500 uh, so there's normally these limits that we start to set on them simply because we know what it's worth to the client and we know what it costs us to do. Yeah. Uh, Ken, I, I actually had a question since we're on this topic, like during your sales process, you're, you're taking an educational approach, right? Like, but how do you introduce like your minimum, like 
required pricing for your videos, right? So if like you are going to then pitch them later on in the process on like a video, a, a, a video card, like how do you let them know? Like, do, do you let them know at that stage later on that, hey, it's actually, we start at 7,500, like at the very least, right? Like, because what if that's like way above their budget? How do you know when to kind of like forget about a lead because they, they'll probably never be able to afford it? Because at the beginning, you're not really picking their brain on what their budgets are, right? Yeah, good question. So you actually want to like get it out of the way, you know, as soon as you think they, they could become a potential opportunity. Um, so for us, when it's an inbound lead versus inbound and outbound is different, right? Outbound, you naturally have to put more time in because you have to nurture them. You have to provide some value to get them to listen to you. Uh, with an inbound, though, we have two things. One, when they request a, a quote or request a project price, uh, they get redirected to a Calendly. If they end up booking on our Calendly, there's a few questions on there. One of them is price. So we have like, I think mm. seven different price ranges starting at 3,500 going all the way up to like hundred K. We'll get an idea. That's not always the given, but at least we know and twofold, at least they know our minimum. Right. And then two, we know where they're at. And then you know, but that's, they, that makes sense. That makes sense for that one. It's just the other one. I've, sorry. What was the term for that one? Where uh, you're reaching out to outbound. Yeah. Outbound? Yeah, yeah. For the so outbound, it, it'd be a little more interesting to figure out how you would navigate that because it seems like if you're going to, you know, put all that time and effort in only to find out like, man, this department just like would never even yeah. give me that budget. How do you know when to like cut your loss off early? Two things. One, uh, once you get moving, it's the law of numbers, right? Like you naturally know that if you're, if you're playing in the right field and you're targeting the right type of companies, Dude, if these companies are multi-million dollar companies, or even if they're doing like one to $5 million in revenue, they're, you're, you can assume they have some sort of budget. And as long as you're educating them, this is why the education part actually like creates more of a need because they get educated on why, if they're looking to solve X, X problem or, or hit X goal, your vehicle is the best or only option to going there. So you're, you're selling them on that, which now in their mind, they've become focused on, well, shit, I need this because this seems like the only way to hit this goal that they've just been educated on. So part of it's that, because again, anytime price is an issue, they either literally can't afford it, which means you probably shouldn't target those people in the first place, which you can find out pretty quickly. And that means you should just switch who you're trying to target or two, what you're presenting isn't providing enough value and they can't see the justification because yeah, okay. anytime someone buys something, they're like, the money that I'm giving you, am I getting more value from this? That perceived value can come in direct ROI with when I put a dollar in, I get $2 out. That can be time saving. That can be status increase. A lot of the time with video, it does come down to status increase, right? I'm differentiating myself. So I'm positioning myself differently. So you need to position these videos to say, is you know $7,500 worth differentiating yourself in the competition? Um, and then two, realistically, talking objectively about the time commitment, if you're doing email automation, you really like, it doesn't take a lot of time to set those up. That's why I said the system up front takes a lot of time. Actually running it doesn't. The time that it takes to actually get on one of those calls and run through the educational calls is 30 to 35 minutes, right? If you really want to take time, 45 at the most, 30 minutes to do the presentation, 45. At the end of that, you're going to know if they're qualified or not, because at the end of that, you're going to say, hey, listen, it, here's we just provide you with all this we could definitely help you execute on this 
uh, typically our services start at 7,500. Is that going to break the bank? Is that going to put you in the poorhouse, or is that something that's uh, within budget for you and the team? And if like, no, like that's probably something we could work out. I'd still need to talk to so-and-so. Okay, perfect. At least when they give that affirmation, then you can move to the next stage, but you're really only committing 30 to 45 minutes of your time up front on the call. You're building a relationship. It might not be the right time now. So, and then the play in the law of numbers, you know, once you run it through, you need to do 20 of them to close one. Okay. I don't care what, what one out of that 20 is going to be it. I'm just running the reps. So it's a, it's a few things, but ultimately you got to start with the market. If you know, the market isn't willing to pay to begin with, don't be chopping out that tree. Yep. That pretty much answered it. <laughs> okay. Wow. So yeah, Carol, I think, I think we went way over. Our yeah. We went way over and we, we want to respect your guys' time. Cause like, we're trying to keep these to an hour, but like, clearly like, you know, all these conversations, like, like they're like, we're, we're sharing so many oh, great ideas and just kind of like bouncing yeah. things off each other. Like it, and we're now at like the hour and a half mark, but kind of like, uh, before we, um, before we set up, um, how did you guys first come up with your story? Tell us a little bit about that. Like the name, yeah. the name. Yeah, it was initially in Envision Media when we first started. So okay. four or five years ago, that was the first first company name. Um, and it just came up in conversation a lot, right? Like this was what I had envisioned for the project. You know, this is what, this was my vision for, for my business and why I started, right? So it was really, it was really tied around that. Um, the only reason we changed the name is because I took a break from the business for probably two months to two to three months. And I went and lived in the UK and worked with a, like a Forex trading company for, for a bit. Um, hmm. wasn't, wasn't aligned, came back, Colin and I partnered back up and basically just as a, a re-spark to a, a new direction, we, we called it Your Story Agency. Um, yeah, there wasn't a huge intent behind it when we first named it, but it has been a, a great brand asset in the sense that um, people come to us for story. Our logo is story. Um, and then like the deeper meaning in our logo is like the wise unfinished, right? So people are hiring us to, to come fill in the rest of that, rest of that vision and, and help them help their business out. So. Wow. That's, cool. uh, that's awesome. It's always cool to hear everyone's, uh, or like, like origin story in a way, right? <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, uh, Thank you guys so much for coming on. You know, it was great to have you on and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll probably bring you back on in about like a year's time just to see how everything's been going, how the, yeah. the new uh, sales process is going. It'd be really interesting to talk about that. I'm expecting Happy like to. maybe 15, 16 people to be on the team by that <laughs> yeah. point. Or... <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Well, thanks for having us on. It's a great idea for, for a podcast. There's a lot of value that can come of these conversations, whether it's people mm. like just, just getting started wanting to get into the industry, scaling, like whatever phase you're at, right? There's a lot of a uh, lot of nuggets. I wish I had more resources like this when we were first starting. So totally. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, when we were all starting out, you know, there wasn't as much back then. And at least, you know, maybe, maybe this will turn into something down the road. But at the very least, this is also a good way to also get to know you guys, you know, get to know like who is out there in uh, Vancouver because you never know that we might get a client that, you know, needs uh, someone to, to execute some stuff in Vancouver, you know, it might be easier to just have you guys execute for us and vice versa. If you guys ever uh, need someone uh, trustworthy in Toronto, you know, we're, we're happy to help. Yeah. You guys do great work. So we'll definitely keep that in mind. Thank awesome. you. All right, guys, okay. we'll take care and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah. All right, guys. Take, All right. take it easy guys. Yeah. Take Bye. care.